uh, him into this, he chose that passage. So he chose, not only is it probably the richest passage in all of Philippians, but it's also the, the most challenging, the densest of the, of the entire book. And he handled it. Uh, he did a great job. And man, that was the first sermon of what I hope is uh, many more to come. But Daniel walked us through this, this life-changing paradigm shift where, where we, we change the way we view what it takes to get right with God. Instead of seeing it as something to achieve by doing the right things, by following the rules, that we see it as something to receive through, through a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, that, that it's the outcome of our lives being connected with Jesus, and when that happens, his perfect righteousness gets transferred to our account. So, so what, uh, what's true of him applies to us as well, and this amazing reality that because of Jesus, when God looks at you, when he looks at me, instead of seeing us and our failures and our shortcomings, he sees us the same way he sees Jesus his sinless son. And that's, that's an astounding reality. It almost sounds like it's too good to be true, but it's the gospel, and it's what makes grace so amazing. Um, but here's the thing. It's possible, then, to misinterpret that reality, to view it in some kind of impersonal, transactional way and think, okay, well, I've trusted in Christ, check, and so what you're telling me is that my status now before God is dialed into accepted. I guess that's it, right? What, what more is there to it? So, so that's where we're picking things up. Paul's going to answer that question. He's going to stop and clarify that salvation is the start gate, not the finish line. That's the whole point. It's the start gate, not the finish line. That's trusting in Christ it sets our lives in motions. It sets us out on this lifelong road trip with Jesus that moves us in new directions towards new frontiers. And so here's, here's how he goes about answering this question. He starts out in verse 12, and he says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We'll stop there. You know, the first step uh, to getting where you want to go is knowing where you are right now. And, and this may be one of the most common miscalculations of the Christian life, the, the miscalculation that we've already arrived. And, and it's kind of an understandable miscalculation, um, especially when we, you know, even in light of the songs we just sang, right? We talk about Jesus paid it all, and uh, on the cross he said it is finished, and because of Jesus shed blood that our standing before God is secure, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done. And so, yeah, maybe we have arrived, right? But Paul here makes it crystal clear that, no, you're, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. Salvation isn't where it ends. It's, 
It's where it begins. It's where it starts. And it's a little bit maybe like a wedding, right? A, a man and a woman, they stand before their loved ones in the sight of God, and they make these unilateral vows to each other, to love, to cherish, to be faithful to one another over the course of a lifetime together. And then on the other end of I do, these two become one. They're bonded together. And if you think that's where it ends, you might be in trouble, (laughs) right? That is not the, the finish line. That is the starting gate. That's where it all begins. These these vows are, are meant to ignite passion and not passivity, and those promises provide this platform for, for doing life together. And, and that's, that's how life with Jesus works, too. Right? Paul says, I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. That's, there's, this, there's this whole new adventure of doing life with Jesus that's there to live out, to jump into, and to explore. And so the answer to this question, where am I? For you and for me and for each and every one of us, it's, I'm not there yet. We haven't arrived. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. We are all on our way, and we're not there yet. And so Paul says, since that's the case, Here's how I'm jumping into this journey with Jesus. I am giving it, he says, everything I've got. I'm pursuing it with every ounce of focus and determination and passion that I can muster. And so the word he uses is pressing on. That's really kind of vivid imagery, leaning in, pushing forwards one step closer to the goal. And there's this insight, this critical insight, I think, for for how we live out this journey of faith. He says this, forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward to what lies ahead. See, the journey of faith, it's always in front of us. It's never behind us. In other words, camping out on the past is paralyzing to moving forward. It's a sure way to keep us taking forward steps in our walk with the Lord. So, so this past week, Diane and I stopped in at the bike shop uh, to get a couple of things that we need for our trip. And, and she brought a mirror over to the counter. And she said, I think I need one of these for the trip to see what's behind me. And Paul uh, not Paul the Apostle, but Paul the bike guy, the guy that works at the bike store. His name is Paul. I'm not kidding. He chimes in and he says, you don't need that. The only thing you need to look at is the road ahead of you. And I didn't say a word, but believe me, in my mind, I thought, that'll preach. <laughs> I said, thank you, Paul, for teeing up the perfect illustration. Um, The only thing you need to look at is what's in front of you. Some of us need to hear that this morning, right? Forget what's behind. Forget the past. It's it's so easy to live out our lives staring at the rearview mirror, letting our past define our present and determine our future. And maybe when you look in that rearview mirror, you see a failure, You see some regrets. Maybe you see something that's happened to you and you just keep on rewinding it and and replaying it again and again and again over your mind. 
And it's not doing you any good, right? It's not doing anything good. It's just keeping you stuck where you are. So forget it and press forward. Or actually, let me be more accurate about that. We forget the past by pressing forward, by shifting our focus from what's behind to what's ahead. And we can do that because the grace of God means that our failures, they don't have to define us. It means that whatever others have done to us, what they've intended for evil, God is even able to turn around and turn it into something good. It means his mercies are new every morning so we can grab a hold of them and keep going. That's what forgetting what's behind means. But it's more than that, too. It doesn't just apply to our failures. Sometimes we're stuck by looking at the successes and the victories and the past. And we don't move forward in our walk with the Lord because we're stuck in spiritual nostalgia mode. Have you ever been there? Fixated on the great things God has done in the past, right? I call it Remember When Christianity. Remember when God showed up back in 1983 and did that amazing work? Wow, that was it. That was the high point. It's all downhill since there. Or maybe for more recent thing, remember when God gave us two buildings, moved us from the high school to another place to here? That was amazing. He did that. <laughs> Wasn't that the best? No. I mean, it was good. It was special. But that same God who was at work back then... He's still at work. He's doing something right now. And that's where our focus belongs. So whatever it is in your life that has to get dropped, that has to be forgotten about, do it. Press on. Lean into what's next. The frontiers are always in front of us, never behind us. And and yesterday's failures, they're not big enough to keep you from what God has in store for you next. And And yesterday's successes, they're not big enough to keep fueling your faith today. So know where you are. That's point number one. And let's move on to point number two, which is understand who we're with, who you're with. He says this, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Know who you're with. This this onward orientation, this disposition that we just looked at, Paul says that's a defining mark of spiritual maturity, right? And so he tells the Philippians, his friends here, he says, keep a lookout for that. When you bump into someone who has that sort of disposition, that onward orientation in their walk with the Lord, he says, lock on to them. Look at their lives. Pay attention. Set them up and make them examples and models to to emulate in your own lives. And he even extends this invitation. He says to them, imitate me. Don't, Don't just listen to what I'm telling you. But watch the way I'm living out my life, my own journey of faith and the difference Jesus is making in me. And he says, do it like that. It's another reminder of just how powerful the lives that we live are. 
so much more, so much more than just the things that we say. It's the life that we live out on a day-to-day basis. Because faith is just as much caught as it is taught. And, and maybe this is a good goal for each of us to pin up and strive for, to cultivate that kind of contagious Christian life that we'd be willing to just invite those who maybe aren't quite as far along in their own journey with Jesus to just say, hey, watch me. Look at what I'm doing and do it like that. Right? There's, there's no substitute for flesh and blood models of living out this journey with Jesus. Does that mean perfection? I hope not, because that disqualifies every single one of us. Being an example, living a life that's worth replicating is imperfect people who are learning, who are growing, who are moving forward and and living it out in real time. And that's a constant need in the Christian life for all of us. It's essential And so let me throw it out to you and say, why not you? Why not you? Be that. Be that person. Where you just, not in an audacious way, not in a proud way, but just say, yeah, watch what I'm doing and do it like that. See, we need each other. We are connected together in community. We are on this road trip together. And it is a gift to have people like that in your life. You know that if you have people like that in your life. And on the other end, it's an honor to be that person in someone else's life. And and over time, I've seen and it's been proven to me that we just have no idea what the impact of a simple life that's just dedicated to God, that's just tuned into living out to honor Jesus, the difference that makes. It it is real. You can do it, and it matters. I I think of my my young teenage years and uh, growing up, and I think of my pastor. I, I couldn't tell you a single sermon he ever preached. I had no idea. The guy confused me. The minute he opened his mouth, it didn't make any sense at all, but One day they said, hey, we need someone to to mow the parsonage lawn. You want to do that? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, 15 bucks or something like that, sure. And so I went over every week and a half to mow the lawn, and I just see the way he lived out his life, his enthusiasm, his earnestness, his, his prayer, his joy. That was a gift, and it made an impact. And here's, here's the reality for each of us. Think about it. Every one of us, we are all modeling our lives after someone. We are. There is, there is in our head some kind of image of this is the person that I am striving, that I'm pressing on to be like. Maybe it's not a specific person, but you have a profile in your mind. And so the question is not, am I imitating someone? The, the question is, who Who are we following? Who are we trying to be like? What kind of person am I striving to to be? And that's a a question we all have to answer. So so know where you are. Know who you're with. And and the final point is to know where you're heading. Know where you're going. He says this, uh, Paul says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, 
walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And then he wraps it up and says this, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. You know, Paul ends this passage with tears. He's, he's crying as he's writing this part. His heart is broken. And he reminds his Philippian friends, and he reminds us as well, choose carefully who you're following. Choose carefully who you're modeling your life after, who you're walking on this journey of faith with, because the sad reality is there are many who may, maybe they talk the talk, but when it comes down to it, they're just not walking the walk. In reality, they're, they're walking down a whole different road. They're on a road trip, but they have a different destination in mind. They're, they're walking to a dead end. And so let me just specify what the criteria is not. Paul doesn't say don't imitate these kind of people, right? It has nothing to do with what their age is. It has nothing to do with how they look. It has nothing to do with what their social status is, what the size of their bank account is, the kind of positions they hold, how influential they are, how many accomplishments they've achieved. You know, these are the criteria in our world that matter. We want to rub shoulders with those people, the important people. Model your life after them. He says, watch out for those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Those who basically have no appreciation for eternal things. The significance of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. They're shut down to that. And by definition, the the, the defining feature of their lives, if it's not on Christ, it's on themselves. It's about building up me and my little castle instead of Christ and his everlasting kingdom. He says their God is their belly. That means basically they do whatever it takes to feed their desires and satisfy their self-indulgent appetites. And he says what, what's shameful in the sight of the God, in the sight of God, is the very thing that they're glorying in. <laughs> Welcome to our world, Right? Welcome to 2022. And the final description kind of sums the whole thing up. Their minds are set on earthly things. So there's a contrast between eternal realities and earthly things. And so if you think about drawing this circle of concern, here's the things that matter most. On a day-to-day basis, these are the things that I give my attention to that matter that I'm intentional about. God just never shows up on that never makes it into the circle. It's always about the temporal. It's never about the eternal. There's no concern beyond the here and the now. And Paul's in tears about that. That's a tragic way to live. Fixated on things, uh, succeeding at things that don't really matter, that will not last, 
while pushing eternal realities out of your life. And yeah, it's kind of a pretty accurate description of the world that we live in, right? And so what Paul's saying here is don't get off track. Don't get sucked in. There's nothing quite as small and as shallow as a life that revolves around me. Self-absorption, Paul says, it leads to self-destruction. And haven't we seen that? Take a look at the headlines. Look at the people who are the celebrities that are in the limelight. How many, how many just blow their lives up when they revolve it around themselves? So watch out. Let's, let's heed this caution. Not to let, let's not blow it off. Keep on track. It's going to take intentionality to not find ourselves veering off onto an alternate path. And if you find yourself there right now, here's the good news. Change course. Change course. Get back on track. Understand and clarify where is this road trip leading you to? What is the final destination? That's what Paul does here. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his. That's the end goal. That's the, that's the end of the road trip, right? We are on our way home. When Christ becomes a reality in your life, the home address changes from earth to heaven. Heaven is our new home address, and home is where Jesus is. And until we arrive at that destination, we're not home. We're the away team. We are foreigners. We're nomads. We're pilgrims. You can, there's so many different terms you can call it, but the point is to live now with the realization that none of this around us is permanent, and none of this is ultimately what matters. And to realize that there is a day coming when our walk with Jesus will no longer be a walk of faith, right? The road trip is going to reach its destination and we will see our Savior face to face. And look at what it says is going to happen. This is what we have to look forward to. He says he is going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious bodies. It's interesting to me that Paul chooses that feature specifically to lock onto physical features, right? So sometimes we think of heaven and we think of ghosts and spirits and angels and disembodiedness. Paul's like, no. Jesus is coming to redeem every part of our existence. And that includes our physical bodies. And if you haven't noticed, they wear out. Our bodies right now, they're, they're lowly, right? And, and, and it doesn't matter what specimen you choose, add a couple of decades to that body, and it's not going to be what it was, right? Look at the bodybuilders. Look at the athletes. They don't age well. But this time is coming when we're going to be given these bodies that are going to work the way they were designed to. They're not going to lose their strength. They're not going to get sick. They're not going to break down. 
And that's a beautiful thing. And that is the hope. That is the destination. It's with Jesus in heaven when he makes us like himself. Is that where your life is leading? Paul ends the passage and he says, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown. This is how you stand firm. This is how you do it. You know where you are, you know who you're with, and you know where you're going. See, we can't afford to live our lives without having that figured out, without having our focus fixed on that. We stay firm by staying on track and just taking that next step forward. Let's pray together.